I've been meeting people from the East Bay, from the South Bay that come here into San Francisco to enjoy Back this out here and I was all set to go for my morning walk and cars were whizzing by and I know- In April 2020, about a month after Mayor London Breed declared a state of emergency to slow the spread of COVID-19 in San Francisco, the Department of Public Works closed Great Highway, an expressway that runs along Ocean Beach. The two-mile stretch was added to a citywide initiative called Slow Streets, temporary traffic restrictions that create spaces where citizens can gather safely during the pandemic. And over several months, it became the second most popular recreation area in the city, after Golden Gate Park. But some residents didn't like it. Detours shunted traffic onto adjacent side streets and added a few minutes to commuting times. So in August 2021, Mayor London Breed reopened Great Highway to vehicles. Now it's only a park for half of Friday, on weekends and on holidays. The mayor's decision ticked off a lot of people who thought that the experiment would be made permanent. Today, I'm going to talk about what it's like to experience a familiar space from a new perspective, what the controversy says about San Francisco's neighborhood-based politics, and also how hard it is to reclaim public space from automobiles. Depending on whether it's high or low tide, the intersection of Lincoln Way and Upper Great Highway is about 500 feet from the Pacific Ocean, give or take. The dunes are a little too high to see much of the ocean from the street. Normally, the traffic obscures most natural sounds. But when two metal arms swing out to gate the road, it becomes an entirely different place. If you visit the intersection virtually via Google Street View, you can toggle back and forth to see the difference. But it's impossible to capture what it's like with a mic on my iPhone. It's not just the sound of the wind and the waves. You hear birds calling to each other and the clicking of traffic lights as they cycle through. But more than anything, you hear people. Couples of all ages walking and riding bikes. Lots of parents and their kids. People walking their dogs. A few e-scooters and bicyclists. While I stood at Lincoln and Great Highway, two women walked past me at the light, walked up a sand dune. One of them took off her clothes to reveal a bikini and the two of them did a photo shoot. 20 feet away... There's a father and son playing in the sand on the leeward side of a dune. And before the closure, cars would have been zipping past a few feet away at 45 miles an hour. On some days, musicians set up and play along the seawall. I've seen people learning how to roller skate. I've gone there myself with a parent who wanted to teach their skittish child how to ride a bicycle. One day, I saw a blind person jogging with a guide runner. I've lived in San Francisco for 25 years, and I've never seen that before. And because Ocean Beach is part of the Golden Gate National Recreation Area, Apple Watch users can actually earn badges here for exercising in a national park. That afternoon, I wanted to talk to a few people to see how they felt about the reopening. First person I saw was a woman who was jogging with a medium-sized pig, but I couldn't catch up with them. They ran off. To be honest, I felt a little self-conscious about asking her to talk for the podcast. She's a real person, but it would also have been one of those only in San Francisco moments that people use to reinforce stereotypes about our fair city. I mean, who am I kidding? That would have been a great interview. If you're listening, woman who jogs with a pig, please reach out. I would love to talk to you for the podcast. As I kept walking, I saw signs promoting a rally at a march the following Sunday to protest the reopening of what activists have now termed the Great Walkway. Several blocks later at Terraville and Great Highway, I reached a traffic circle with three sculptures that looked like surfboards stuck into the sand. And that's where I saw a man who was posting signs for the rally. 
He was standing next to a cargo bike laden with more signs and tape. So I introduced myself. Hi, my name's Josh Kelly. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> so I was just walking down Great Walkway and saw you putting up signs and seeing different signs around. Uh, what's, what's going on exactly? So, uh, you know, what's been going on here is that uh, about a year and a, for a year and a half now, we've had this amazing public space where the city has taken cars off the road um, and they've allowed people to come out here. I mean, I'm looking at two dozen people right now are walking and strolling just within a couple feet of me. Um, and we've been able to um, ha have this space for recreation and just we're all really enjoying it. Uh, and uh, last Thursday, the city announced in a quiet little press release that they were gonna return cars to this road on uh, Monday, August 16th. Um, they have been making they've been acting like they're taking the feedback of the people in the neighborhood uh, and they're making these decisions pretty unilaterally um, I can certainly put you later in touch with some survey material that uh, shows that the majority of the people in this neighborhood um, want to keep this as a park uh, they don't want to see cars coming back to this amazing space have you seen any studies indicate that there's been an increase in either pedestrian or vehicle collisions since the closure of this road over here um, not that I'm aware of. There has been diversion, you know, traffic has been diverted onto some of the avenues. This is a true thing that's happened. Um, and I think we can continue to calm that traffic as well uh, and to continue to divert it away. So, um, but I haven't seen, you know, there are some studies out there and I can also definitely link you to those. Okay. It, this seems very like more of like a political decision and not a data-driven kind of decision. It is absolutely a political decision. It is the mayor's politics. Um, my take on it is that a lot of very wealthy residents in the outer Richmond um, are the ones that are pushing for this to reopen. Um, one thing I can tell you is that, you know, there was a study that looked at the traffic um, of people coming from the outer Richmond um, down to, you know, down the peninsula or down south. And it, so it did show that commute times went up by three to five minutes. So that's what we're asking from motorists here is three to five minutes to get this amazing park space back. My daughter learned to ride her bicycle here. Um, and this is an absolute treasure. People are coming from all over. I've been meeting people from the East Bay, from the South Bay that come here into San Francisco to enjoy this amenity. And I think we need to keep it open all week long. I think we need to build on it um, so that we can, we can maybe get some activities out here, some food trucks, some kids play spaces. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the climate crisis is here and we have to transform our cities so that we can um, have more cleaner, greener transportation options like biking to school. I've talked to high school students who are planning to bike on this highway um, and, and we need to transform our cities for the 21st century. Now, this might be a bit of a softball. I'll sure. Admit, but the city has a transit first policy. They should, boy, they, I see a piece of paper that says transit first on it. Yeah. So, so what does that mean to you when you see the city reopening this, this four lane you know, highway <laughs> along the beach here? What, is, what does that mean to you? I mean, it means that the, the, the transit first policy is just words. Um, that they are that they are not committed. They're not committed to anything they say about sustainability if they, they want to run a highway through this park. Do you, now, here's the real question. Do yeah. you think there'll be any kind of political cost for the supervisor or for the mayor as far as... Well... That's what I'm out here to do, um, is to let people know uh, who is making these decisions, who is changing their environment right before their eyes, who is putting dangerous cars on this in this space. Um, and, and so I hope there will be a political um, cost to pay. Although, you know, I hope, I hope we can get them to come around and, uh, uh, um, and, and, and 
uh, you know, Gordon Marr, if you're listening, if we get the great highway 24 seven, I'll come work on your reelection campaign. That's a promise. <laughs> Page 75, June 9th, 1929, San Francisco Examiner. And the headline is, Great Highway opens today with grand celebration. San Francisco will strut serenely under Motordom's spotlight today in a civic celebration to signalize the formal opening to traffic of the Great Highway and Ocean Beach Esplanade. The broadest boulevard in the world, this stretch of highway skirts the Pacific, passes Golden Gate Park, and ends at Flyshacker Swimming Pool. There's a huge parade and a 1,000-piece band that created a soundtrack for the, quote, pageant of transportation, a procession that included every vehicle of travel from the Vaquero, stagecoach, packed horseless carriage, and onto the latest modern automobile racers. Most of the page is occupied by an ad for the Nash 400, a $900 sedan, cost a little more than $14,000 today, that touted its twin ignition system, meaning it had two spark plugs. Adjacent articles also sing the praises of the car, announce new highways to connect scenic vistas, share tips for automobile maintenance, and in an article headlined, Wedding's Big Surprise, a newlywed from Burlingame is delighted with her husband's gift of a new Dodge 6. Like the rest of America, in the 1920s, California was falling in love with automobiles. And like infatuated people do, they remade themselves to please the object of their affection. The rally Josh helped organize that Sunday morning took place a little more than 92 years after that grand celebration, and it attracted a much smaller crowd of San Franciscans who were mostly concerned about climate change, walkability, open space, access to nature, and yes, reclaiming space from cars. But the mayor has a lot of political capital. She followed the lead of public health experts and responded rapidly to the pandemic. I mean, she was fined $23,000 for ethics violations last month, and it's barely a story. 53% of residents said they want to keep the highway closed. And the second most popular option was 21% who said they want to reopen the highway to vehicles. But the support is neighborhood-specific. 52% of Sunset District dwellers, who live pretty close to Great Highway, want it to stay car-free. Roughly the same percentage of Richmond District residents support reopening the road. It's worth noting that people who live near Great Highway also have easy access to Sunset Boulevard, which is an alternate north-south expressway. I haven't seen any data indicating that closing Great Highway made the surrounding neighborhoods less safe. Public policy is nuanced, but in my view, adding three to five minutes to the commute of somebody who lives in the Richmond District in exchange for a world-class beachfront park seems like a no-brainer in terms of cost versus benefit. On September 9th, 2020, the air over San Francisco was so full of wildfire smoke, the skies turned orange. I'll never forget it. It looked like the end of the world. That day, Supervisor Connie Chan, who represents the Richmond District, posted a photo of herself standing under an ochre sky, holding a sign that promised, I pledge not to take any contributions from oil, gas, and coal industry executives, lobbyists, and PACs, and instead prioritize the health of our families, climate, and democracy over fossil fuel industry profits. In June, Chan called for reopening Upper Great Highway to traffic, and supported a new plan that would turn two lanes into a promenade and preserve the rest for north-south traffic. Upon hearing the news, the local chapter of Sunrise Movement, which supports the Green New Deal, announced that Chan no longer had their support, according to local news site The Frisk. 
Here's Supervisor Gordon Marr in April 2020 on Earth Day, touting the Green New Deal. Climate change must be met with the same urgency and political courage as COVID-19. We need climate solutions that meet the scale of the crisis. Supervisor Myrna Melgar issued a statement on Medium. At the top is a selfie of her wearing a bike helmet at Lincoln and Great Highway. After she expresses her gratitude for the mayor's, quote, strength and leadership, Melgar says she approves of reducing our dependence on cars, but the alternatives must be real, or we will set up an unequal and unjust system where those who live near alternatives and or can afford to access their activities within walking distance can do so, but those who cannot are stranded with no options. How does closing two miles of Great Highway strand anyone with no options? Here's what's real. The Department of Public Works and the city's transit agency are both under the direct control of the mayor. The mayor determines which streets open, which ones close, and if she wanted to, which ones get decorative crosswalks. San Francisco has a strong mayor, but that doesn't mean the supervisors need to back her play, unless, I assume, they want something in return. In 2023, Lower Great Highway, the southern portion that connects to Skyline Boulevard and takes commuters out of the city, will close permanently. As it turns out, building a massive sewer outlet under a coastal highway in California, not a great decision. Erosion is eating away at the beach so quickly, there's a dredger parked offshore, it's been there for weeks, pumping sand 24-7 to restore the dunes. The Great Highway will stay open until the Board of Supervisors votes on several pending proposals that could either close it or create some hybrid that reserves park for people and preserves two lanes for traffic. But in a city where thousands of people seek shelter on the street every night, and the median price of a single-family home is $1.8 million, whether or not Great Highway reopens is not the highest priority for a lot of people. About 70% of San Francisco residents own a car, so all of these politicians will get a pass on this issue in the next election. San Francisco politics is hyper-local. People who live south of Market are concerned with homelessness and quality of life issues, in the mission, gentrification is the elephant in the room. And in the Richmond district, it's reopen Great Highway. A lot of people who live on San Francisco's west side just want to drive their cars wherever they want. So many people have second cars in the outer sunset. I see vehicles that have been parked so long, there are weeds growing over the front bumper and spiders nest in the wheel wells. But if you want to block affordable housing in your neighborhood or stop a new chain store from opening, you will always find a champion at City Hall. If you're looking to save the planet, not so much. San Francisco was the first U.S. city to ban single-use plastic bags, and the first to ban the use of facial recognition in law enforcement. We were the first city to guarantee every resident public health care, but apparently closing a two-mile stretch of roadway so people can enjoy the space is too much for us to take on right now. On the Sunday before Labor Day, I went back to Great Highway with a friend for a walk after dinner. It was long after sunset, but there were still plenty of people making use of the space. Jogging, walking, a few cyclists, but even so, it was quite dark. We were walking down the middle of a beachfront highway under a waning crescent moon, and I had the sense in the back of my head that I was doing something really transgressive. We are conditioned from a very early age not to play in the street. I had to keep reminding myself that we belong there and the cars did not. We ran into Melissa, who was also out for a walk. I asked her how she felt about Great Highway reopening. 
again. Uh, the walkway has been quite a lifeline for me during the pandemic. Um, I actually just came back from Wisconsin, so I didn't catch all of the debate and I hadn't actually quite been caught up to what the decisions had been. And I came back out here and I was all set to go for my morning walk and cars were whizzing by. And I know that people have strong feelings about this and I haven't really had a chance to hear both sides of it, but just speaking from my own personal interest, I'm really sad that this is no longer available to pedestrians during the week. Who would you complain to about this if you wanted to reopen this thing? Who would you go to? Who would you talk to? Who would you reach out to? That's a great question. You know, I have been aware that people have been organizing and I'm feeling a little bit of guilt right now for not having been more involved since this is clearly something that I do care about. Um, I guess my first instinct would be to go on next door and try to get caught up on the debate. And then the next thing would be to call what would that be? City councilman? I'm sure there's something even more. Um, supervisor. Supervisor. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I suppose there are businesses and there are people who drive to work who need the thoroughfare. I just didn't myself notice that traffic was that backed up on the other streets. So, I mean, part of me is open to hearing what the concerns were for the other side. Um, I'll just, you know, I'll just say that it was like a pageant of humanity out here when it was open to pedestrians. Like every form of two wheels, one wheel, three wheels was out here. I saw people learning how to roller skate clearly for the first time. You saw families. I just, I don't know. It was like so clearly a benefit to so many people um, that, yeah, I'm just left sad that it's closed. Music for the Golden City was written and performed by Michael Tritter. The artwork was created by Cynthia Vega. And a very special thanks to Tim Ehalt. Thanks very much for listening. And please follow Golden City Pod on Twitter.